welcome to the DevReady podcast. We're helping non-techs build better tech. Today we're joined by Gavin Redrop. Gavin is building the businesses tomorrow is, is one of his statements, but um, doing a lot in the world of technology, um, a lot in the world of AI. And I think it's going to be an interesting conversation how we might implement AI into businesses and talk a bit about startup as well that is involved in. Gavin, thank you for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, happy to have you on board. Um, so as we spoke a bit offline, you, you sort of released an AI book towards the end of late last year, and then you've got a bit of a story to tell about that. What happened a week later? Yeah, we'll yeah. Start. So, um, yeah, I sort of, uh, been working with some people and, um, spoke to a few guys and they're, they're like, geez, you need to write a book on all of this. So I, um, yeah, smashed out a book in about three weeks flat, um, 10,000 words or so, but little one and, uh, published it on Amazon. Uh, got everything live and all excited and then um, I think it was about two weeks later that GPT-4 came out and um, pretty much yeah, made everything in the book irrelevant, which seems to be the case with AI at the moment. Everything moves such rapid pace and yeah, it's uh, one, of the, one of the joys of going through the AI revolution. Yeah, so, so you've got probably a good solid background about AI and sort of machine learning a bit of before, not just the chat stuff. What, what yeah. was the book about? Yeah, so the book the book is um, ideally aimed at trying to help business owners be able to start that automation journey and start to um, understand how automating simple processes can free up you know their staff time and their own time for entrepreneurs and startup founders. So um, yeah, it's very surface level on sort of focused around that automation aspect and how to use uh, OpenAI. APIs and um, that to start automating things, simple things like um, social media responses and you know replying to messages, um, emails, and those kind of things, just to speed up those everyday tasks that take a long time and quite pain painful and time consuming. Yeah, I think that's what everyone has seen when that that chat GPT. So November December, and then when GPT four came out, just how much it can actually do for you in that just general email, social media content, anything like that, con- ideas for scripts and videos or podcasts. Absolutely, yeah. It's a it's a great brainstorming tool really as well. So, you know, being able to use it to bounce ideas off. I know, um, you know my missus gets sick of me just rambling, <laughs> rambling about stuff that she doesn't understand. So, you know, I use ChatGPT instead. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's good to ask it questions and get questions asked of you as well to then just give more information or help you think about things. I think that's the experience Andrew and I have both had. It's put information in, but then get it to be the other opinion of something. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great to enhance those sales skills and um, even for pitch decks and those kind of things for startup founders to be able to you know, get it to ask what questions might come up during a pitch um, just so you can start thinking differently. So with, with along with the book, so you had, what, what got you into the sort of the AI space before that? So you said you were working on it and people encouraged you to write the book. What got you into that? Yeah, um, yeah, I've really sort of been involved in the tech space for pretty much forever. I um, straight out of school in the military as a communications technician, um, did about eight years there and then moved into the corporate world in IT space. Um, wasn't big on the corporate space, really wanted to start building my own businesses and had that entrepreneurial itch. So I'd been in 
helping businesses, um, mostly with you know, websites and social marketing and all those kind of things. Um, so the, the AI growth that was sort of, we we're seeing you know, 12 months ago, 18 months ago was really around um, the using it for those simple things, you know, the um, creating blog posts or ad content and all of those sort of things, ad copy and that. Um, so I'd been exploring that and then moving into the startup space, we were looking at creating, uh, initially we are looking at a recruitment tool, which got me deep into it, which was um, you know, aimed at trying to help recruiters sort through resumes and that in a non-biased way. So that's why I really sort of dove deep into the AI sort of side of things. And um, yeah, just since then been um, full, full, fully into it and yeah working on another startup at the moment with um which is a climate tech uh solution which is utilizing ai to to help solve some of those problems and that'll be more in sort of i think from what you mentioned earlier like the big data play in analytics recommendations you know. yeah yeah so we're looking at um really trying to help enterprise level sort of companies um understand and manage their climate data right throughout the supply chain, so from end to end. So um, yeah, we'll look at the, the scope three emissions right up to the scope one and two. In the world of enterprise compared to startup, what are you finding? Very different, are they? Uh, yeah, very, very different. Um, I think in, enterprise is a, is a funny beast. It's always been uh, one of those things that it was, yeah, it's such, the, the, the companies that are in this space, and I, you know, use Google and that as a comparison. But um, if you look at the likes of Google and that, they would, they're just so, such a dominant sort of beast over the last sort of five, ten years with the way Web two sort of come through. And I think if you look at the the impact that AI has had on flipping the script for those guys, you know, so even. Um, the founders of Google have gone back into Google after sort of retiring and coming out of retirement. And these big companies are starting to act like startups again. They're going back to that, you know, fast, agile release of product. They're getting things out quickly. Um, yeah, so even they're feeling the impact of that AI is having across the board. So, yeah, there's definitely a big difference between startup space and AI sp uh, and enterprise space in the way AI will have an impact. But um i think the the startup space for me is a lot more fun because you can sort of you know do things a lot quicker and um really sort of try and flip the flip the needle on a lot of things and you know with the the big companies the corporates or enterprise level they are slower moving generally but you know we're seeing that change uh a lot at the moment with with ai so yeah that in itself is exciting as well watching um you know, seeing these big companies almost go back to their roots and go, okay, well, we used to do this really well. We had to do this once upon a time. How do we bring that in to a, a, a you know, 500 plus people organization? Mm. Yeah, it becomes a, a very different proposition, but I think everyone's aware that they need to be doing something in the space. Um, Absolutely. And if you're not, then you, 
you're falling way behind in terms of what's going to be coming. Um, the next 12, 24 months are going to be always evolving, and they always are. Um, but I think the rapid speed has been very different, especially over the past six, seven months. Where everyone's getting the feel as to what can I do with this stuff? How can I use it? Some people have tried it and just walked away from it. Others have really embraced and said, okay, how do I explore this further? Um, what could it really change in a business? You can go and change, like you said, when you look at, from a book perspective, incremental process stuff. But in effect, you could embed AI across all of your processes and really transform your business. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot that can be done and achieved if you're willing to invest in this right now. Yeah, I agree. I think um, the, the big key takeaway from that is just making that start and getting mm. something done in that space where you know ticking ticking off one little component that's um you know been that takes a lot of time and you know you may have to spend a bit of time researching understanding and learning and implementing but once you've done that once it becomes a lot easier for the next thing and the next thing and so on and then you know over a period of six twelve months you can replace a lot of the the manual processes that are within a business and um, yeah, and that's every business across every industry. Yeah, a lot of incremental change makes a huge difference over time. Absolutely, yeah. Taking you a little bit back to your roots, you mentioned you were in the military. Um, we'd yeah. love to understand what you learned from that experience, eight years there is quite a good chunk of your, of your life. Um, yeah, I'd love to understand and get some insight as to what you learned from that experience. Yeah, yeah, I um I loved it to be honest. Um, that's why I stayed eight years, I guess. But um, yeah, straight out of school, um, joined up, had no idea what to expect. Uh, just knew I wanted to do some stuff in the tech space, and figured the military would be you know one of the most advanced leading sort of areas to go into for that space. Um, quickly learned that that wasn't the case when we started learning. Windows ninety five and <laughs> Windows XP had been out for five years already. So yeah, it was um, definitely an eye-opening experience that part. But yeah, really good. Uh, enjoyed it. Got posted around all over the country. Got to do some um, exciting stuff up in Darwin, out on patrol boats with the Navy, and because I was Air Force, so um, yeah, got to do a lot of inter-organisational stuff. Um, and then eventually found myself in Canberra, working in a basement, um, Maxwell Smart style thing where you go through 12 different levels of security to get wow. down into the basement. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were working on some computerized weapon systems and um, it was more state-of-the-art tech. But a lot of the, the journey and a lot of that process and learning um, was trying to implement new systems and new ways into the existing old legacy systems and creating that that merger between the two so i think that's where i got my um my ability to be able to see different things and work out ways to join them together and make things into interconnect across different platforms and different systems and um yeah just having that real understanding of how technology works and how it can interact with each other it's an important piece when especially the interaction integration of technology there's so much just power in looking at that from one standpoint let alone um grouping apart business processes just understanding that all right one piece of technology can push data from one to the other simple stuff to do exactly make people aware of what's possible yeah but then if you think of say like the like the air force and military as an organization having that many people involved swapping from one thing to the other like you said from 95 to xp 
would yeah. be a huge process and a huge culture change to try and implement that and then train everyone as well. Absolutely. Yeah, while they may have certain cutting edge things in the basement when no one knows where they <laughs> exist, I'm sure the rest of the organization is going to be a, like bureaucratic like the rest of any other organization and just have those levels of control and process management that have to be enforced. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, at the end of the day, as a government organization, government's always a little bit slower with things. And um, as a government organization with a really heavy layer of security stacked on top. So uh, every system goes through its processes to be able to um, be really stress tested to the max before it gets authorized to go in. I'm sure Vista never ended up in. in <laughs> no, we didn't no. see Vista. I'm sure it never got there. Yeah, or me. Yeah, yeah, like it just it wouldn't have got enough runway or traction to say, yeah, we can use yeah. that because it just wouldn't have passed the muster. It wasn't yeah. out long enough. Yeah, correct. <laughs> it's a ten-year cycle for the upgrades. Yeah, <laughs> I think we implemented XP yeah. just about a year before they yeah. um, pulled back support on XP. So, <laughs> oh, classic. <laughs> Brilliant. In terms of. Um, if I'm an SME listening out there looking to engage in the world of AI, where do you think a good starting point is for them? Yeah, I think um, in general, it's just learning what's possible um, and getting an understanding of stuff. I think, you know, a first point is obviously ChatGPT and that sort of space and just asking questions, bouncing back and forward with it, getting an understanding of what the output can be and what's possible and learning uh, the difference between you know what you what you put in and what you ask versus what you get out so um, I think that's probably the the best or you know the easiest place to start and then from there um, st- really just start questioning what could be replaced and I don't mean like replaced as in replacing people but I heard a great quote um, actually earlier today I was watching a thing and he said the AI isn't about replacing your workforce. If you've already got a good workforce, it's about enabling them to maximize their capabilities and their um, skill sets by leveraging AI as a tool for them to use. So I think it's, yeah, just enable your staff to get involved. Um, a lot of people are already exploring this sort of space and within your organization, you could have people who are yeah, not necessarily experts, but have had enough playtime on it to be able to, you know, understand it and start to get their head around what's possible. And at the end of the day, everybody's starting at zero with AI. So everybody is learning at the same time. And, mm. um, you know, you're not behind by starting now. And, you know, you're not in front by starting six months ago because everything moves so quickly at the moment. It's just yeah, just being involved in it as much as possible, I think, is the best way to start getting in that headspace. It's just getting exposure, right, to anything new. Yeah. And demystifying what it is as well, I think, is quite important because people are somewhat fearful of the people that are out there, but it's just getting an understanding what the technology actually is, how it works, engaging with it, just, just gives a release of fear. But one of the things you said there around um, helping employees, I think, as people, we generally good or every single person's good maybe one two things and then we do a lot of other stuff that we're not that good at yeah. so the other stuff is where you want to be focusing on how can we get ai to help 
because we all got some sort of super parents people and everyone's different and i think if we can hone in and get people spending 80 percent of the time in what they're great at and then ai can assist with the rest it's going to leave us all in a better place um i would and enjoying work more and really enjoying how we're contributing because if we're contributing from a place of what we love doing it's a much better outcome for everyone so if we can get everyone to that place i think that's what the power of AI can deliver that's the positive outlook um but yeah there's also the other other side of things where it might challenge people in jobs and roles and that's going to happen like any yeah. technology does it's more letting people focus on the better quality tasks Agreed. not just those very simple repetitive things that just a part of a job that no one likes doing yeah yeah you mentioned andrew the like you know targeting that 80 percent, and yeah 100 right it's the that 80 20 rule approach of you know it's aim first at that 80 percent that takes up most of your day that only delivers 20 percent of the result and yeah, correct. You know, if you can replace that component it frees you up not only uh like you said you know mindset wise as as well as skill set wise you you've got that freedom to do what you love and if you can get 80 percent of your time back to focus purely on what you love you're going to be more productive more energetic more you're going to love going to work more because you know you're doing your passion so yeah i think 100 percent spot on there with the aiming at that 80 percent one of the things that anthony has said with working with chat gpt and some of the stuff that we're doing um it reduces his brain damage we do a lot of thinking <laughs> that's the, the good yeah. way to put the best yeah. way i've been able it's, to put it so far it's, it's just a yeah. funny way to phrase it because if you're in complex places and also thinking ideating problem solving all the time it's, it's a difficult role look but a lot of people in these roles in those consulting spaces and if you can get support or a bit of help to start the thinking for you or give you other things to think about it just just makes things a lot smoother and easier as a person yeah um, so that's what we're seeing some really big value yeah yeah i agree it, it's actually an area that i've sort of been looking into for myself um is around that that second brain model and and using it to really take the load off of <laughs> off of yourself and yeah i think the the key to that is capturing information and capturing as much as you can and um i think one of the biggest advantages for i know for myself um with ai is yeah i, I drive back and forth to melbourne quite a bit and yeah, you know, it's an hour and a half drive for me so during that time i just hit uh, record on my phone and record my brain dumps of thoughts and ideas and stuff like that and then have ai convert that to text process it analyze it get the key takeaways out of it take away the action steps and you're left with, you know, this much instead of an hour and a half of <laughs> thoughts like and process. Yeah, thoughts. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you just have a little little chat to yourself the whole way down and, you know, make sure you put a headphone in so you don't look insane driving <laughs> along talking to yourself. But, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's a really powerful way to capture information and data. Mm. Yeah, I've never thought of using it that way. I use it for meetings, but never thought to just to capture your main stream of thoughts. Yeah, yeah, if you've got that time to yourself, it's... Yeah, it's great. An hour and a half drive, yeah, there's plenty of time to kill. Let's still podcast. <laughs> yeah. Have a conversation with yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's One like a, not... a self, self-assessed self podcast yeah. <laughs> that AI then analyzes <laughs> and puts in some takeaways. It's great. I, I'm a, I, I would, um, for me, ChatGPT obviously is a text-based interface. Um, I set up my mic and I just record and talk into it and just have a conversation with it. I find that interesting. Um, yeah. That helps me. I, I'm a more of a... A creative that thinks out loud so i need to talk 
Yeah, I just need to have a conversation. Um, yeah. Everyone's, everyone, some people are more... Anthony's probably more the guy that will read a blog post where I, I just can prefer to summary at the end of it. Right, yeah. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm definitely an audio book kind of guy, yeah. so I can yeah. relate with the uh, talking yeah. instead so of... So if anyone's in that frame, just, yeah, set up a mic and speak to it. Download a plug into Chrome and just, um, yeah, you can talk straight into it or there's probably a plug in these days into ChatGPT. Yeah, there's Windows so has it as well. It's yeah. built into Windows to do yeah. text-to-speech. Yeah, a speech to text, sorry. Yeah. Some are better than others, though, depending on the tech. But yeah, just, just a thought on that. Um, yeah. In terms of your current startup, what you're working in, let's dig in a bit there. You're part of the Antler program, I believe? Yeah, well, so I uh, yeah. finished up with Antler yeah. now. Um, but yeah, I was part of that program for the last eight months. I'd love um, to know about your experience with that process. What was that like? Yeah, it was good. It was um, really eye-opening to the startup space. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd gone through a bit of a personal journey. Um, yeah, 2021, I found out I had bowel cancer, had to go through surgery wow. and chemo and all of that sort of stuff and came out the other side of that, got the all clear. And during the process, I'd sort of sold off, you know, other businesses and small things that I had going on and closed down a lot of the stuff that I was doing. So I was in this space of a fresh start where I was like, shit, now what do I do? Like, <laughs> I've got all this new uh, time capacity that I didn't have prior. And I was like, I gotta do something that's bigger. I wanted to do something that was um, more scalable, you know, bigger than a small sort of, I'd been dabbling in, you know, retail and um, small sort of stuff, but never really gave myself permission to open up and expand in a, in a broader headspace. So. Um, I was actually looking for jobs on LinkedIn at the time and it came up as a suggested job. So I was like, oh, this sounds perfect. It's, you know, it's a startup program, kind of like a accelerator program, I guess. Um, you know, I'd heard of Y Culminator, but didn't realize there was anything like it in Australia. So it was really good to go through that process and meet a whole heap of like-minded people, um, people who from all walks of different backgrounds, different expertise levels, different niches, and bring all of that together. Um, yeah, it was really, really good. So met a lot of great people along the way, um, started a few, you know, a few different ideas, went down the path of testing and seeing what's going to work and what's not. So going through that process alone was really good as well and beneficial to be able to, you know, I've always sort of focused on the fail fast type model where you know get something to market quickly see if it's going to work and then and you know readjust and change from there but this was um really done in an accelerated pace with people giving feedback on pitches and all that so so i'd never done pitching before so you know, going through that process was really good and exciting and that's where i met my co-founder catherine um where yeah building cedar it's called cedar.earth uh so it's a climate tech um, platform for enterprises to be able to manage their entire supply chain of carbon emissions and using AI to create or to analyze that data and provide recommendations and action actionable steps to actually impact climate change instead of, you know, data is only useful <laughs> if you take action from it. So um, having AI process that data understand it and you know provide actionable steps that will genuinely impact the environment is it's exciting it sounds like there's a lot of value in the people 
through Antler because you mentioned about six times the people, the people, the people. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it seems like a lot of other mean that like-minded people and getting around like-minded people that want to strive for something bigger, do something different, solve bigger problems. Yeah. I'm always interested in where the idea comes from. So for Cedar, where did it seed? Where did it stem from? Were you exploring the space and found a problem? Where did it sort of come from? Yeah, yeah. Again, goes back to the people. Um, so Catherine, my co-founder, she's uh, an expert in the ESG space, and um, she works in that space already. So her background is in climate and um, you know, emissions and sustainability and all of that mm-hmm. um, industry as a whole. So having expert knowledge in that space, and then you know, my background is obviously tech and she had some thoughts and she's like, you know, is this possible? Is this something we can build? We just got in a room, brainstormed it out, um, grabbed a whiteboard and yeah, basically within a few hours, we'd sort of mapped out roughly, roughly what the solution would be to the broader problem being that um, the carbon capture and carbon reporting is all well and good, but unless you're taking action, then there's nothing, no impact and no no effect. So yeah, once we got in a room together and um, started brainstorming some stuff, we'd yeah, come up with merging AI into a, a climate application and really positioning it as a data analysis tool. So not a carbon capture tool, which there's you know plenty on the market already. We just want to grab that data that's already in existence and analyze it, process it, and provide recommendations and outcomes based on that. Um, so yeah, that's sort of pretty much how it came about. Just But yeah, having people to brainstorm ideas off and industry experts is yeah really where that value comes in. It's yeah, the, 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 those expert stakeholders, the people in that niche who understand the problems, so you yeah. can validate the idea is critical for any startup, really. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she's working in the industry at the moment, so yeah, she's got that field knowledge of um, and the contacts to be able to really sort of test it and or test the waters by going out to her her contacts and her other people in that industry to be able to really sort of test the waters quickly. Whereas you know, even if I'd thought of the idea myself. As a tech guy, I could pull it together and make it happen, but then I don't have any industry understanding, so it really wouldn't line up with what the core problems are. So I think having a, a co-founder or a partner where you can uh, leverage complementary skills really massive benefit. Yeah, it's we normally see there's a lot of hunt for having the tech co-founder because the person that's in the industry yeah. is the one that's come up with the problem. It's not we don't normally find it the other way around. Yeah, finding coders is uh, yeah, definitely a, definitely a challenge. And yeah, I myself, think it wouldn't be I'm hard, tech, right? <laughs> yeah, no, but there's, just, yeah. there's how many layoffs in Google every second week and stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, I've got technical background, but I'm not a coder, so. Mm. I found that a big challenge where people would go, oh, Gav's a tech guy, and yeah, can you build this? And I'm like, I can tell you how to build it, but I can't actually build it. <laughs> so um, yeah, just, yeah. And that's where things like DevReady and that come in as well, where it's you know perfect setup for, for that sort of problem solution fit, so yeah. So you just painted a picture of what founders can do if you're a non-technical founder who we're talking to predominantly um, finding some technical help co-founders is one avenue and um, 
yeah, generally what we find is those those domain experts, they've got a lot of value and a lot of opportunity to give. Yeah. Unfortunately, they sometimes get let down by the path that they go down. So we have a lot of people come to us, 80% of our projects, unfortunately, are sort of in that rescue vein where they've had challenges, not sure where to go, and then how do I iterate and evolve from here? Yeah. Um, getting that right technical support around you is pivotal up front and just having a really good sounding board of people that you can trust. So um, one of the one of the avenues that you can go down to, go to Antler, meet some people, connect, get to meet some people who you get along with, because we work with people we like really in the end who we ever can build relationships with, yeah. but also have different skill sets. You need different skill sets in a business. For sure, yeah. I think, yeah, just any way you can get that, that connection to somebody else, mm. yeah, even LinkedIn, right? Like that's how I met you guys was, by LinkedIn, it's a powerful platform that's there. It's got a list of all everybody's history of what they've worked and <laughs> worked on, what their skills are, and yeah, great search tool to be able to try and identify people in your area that have those skills. I've been doing some background research. Catherine is in Queensland. Uh, no, she's in Melbourne. Oh, she's in Melbourne. All right, maybe yeah. it's different Catherine. All right. I thought I'd read something. Yeah. <laughs> also, on the fly research. Yeah, on yeah, the fly yeah. research, but that didn't work. Yeah, no, she's yeah. Melbourne-based, so Melbourne yeah, it worked based. out really well. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah, cool. Because yeah. wondering, how's that work? I can. We, Matthew and I hardly see each other anyway. We live in Melbourne. We see each other once every couple yeah. of weeks at a client yeah, conversation. We're a bit the same. We, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, I've just been in the US for the last four, four weeks. So, um, yeah, we've just been doing everything remotely and... Yeah, it's the powerful. I think that's one good thing that came out of COVID is that everybody's used to using the tools now to be able to remotely connect and be able to actually. Oh, it's a massive work benefit, to, isn't it? Work, yeah. yeah. So. We were on a we were on a podcast this morning for a guy out of Silicon Valley, and it's like, wow, we we'll just connect, yeah. have a conversation, like we're here and talking in the, the past yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's always funny, but yeah, we the world is yeah easy to connect with these days yeah. Just, yeah even when we had an office we still had slack to talk to each other yeah because everyone's <laughs> yeah. working so they're in they a different to each other. Well, they're in a different frame yeah. they're concentrating yeah. you can't interrupt and then you yeah. just get andrew and me just yelling at each other across the room talking to <laughs> yeah. each other yeah. so that's yeah. probably yeah. anything that's changed but we still do that just routine you just get random phone calls yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah, going to a, a um a new startup in a world that you don't know what's that like yeah it's interesting um it's one of those things where I've, I've always been really uh, adaptable and, you know, being able to jump into different industries and I, I call it industry agnostic, but um, it's probably just a fancy way to say that I, I don't have my own industry <laughs> really sort of thing. Like, I, you know, I've gone from military, government sort of stuff, corporate. Um, so I was IT manager at Mars Chocolate, so working chocolate factory, to um, Motorola working with emergency services, uh, doing all of the dispatch radio network for police, fire and ambulance. And then my wife's got a beauty salon. So, you know, I was doing hair and beauty. Um, we bought a couple of hair salons during COVID and that sort of stuff. So I've, yeah, just had this um, ability to overlay tech across any industry and any sort of space. and. Uh, I think the key is just trusting the other person and that it's their special skill area. So anything that comes up climate-wise, I don't even attempt to understand in, as far as an actual industry-level expert. That's where Catherine, that's her, her realm. So, you know, I just fully rely on her to be able to 
um, process that information, understand it, and give me the bits that I need to know to be able to do my, my role. So yeah, I think it's important to have your key skill set areas, key roles of responsibilities. Obviously, you need to have some kind of passion around what you're doing because yeah, it's got to sustain you over a period of time, especially in a startup space. Um, but yeah, if you've got those experts in that really love and live and breathe that niche and that industry, then yeah, there's no need for me to fully grasp and understand every single aspect of it. I can rely 100% on her and just focus on what I know best. And just to add to that, it's I think sometimes clashing industries together is a bonus. Not coming from the outside in, you can ask different questions and different frames and come up with conceptually different ideas as well. Absolutely. Um, so that's one of the, the things. We sit in the world of more the consulting bracket where we do work across a variety of different industries. We're working with in pharmacy, um, a little bit in, in a couple of things in pharmacy, and then we've got some things in finance, and then we also have a, a cleaning franchise business that we're assisting. So you're learning all these different things about business, but there's, there's one advantage to that is you come in fresh eyes and you can ask questions, and why do you do it that way? And, and yeah. It can, yeah, it can just sort of change the landscape a little bit, and they're thinking too. Yeah, and you can take those learnings from industry to industry, right? A lot of the the, the understanding of the processes and that, are, um, you can really adapt to every other industry and that's a massive benefit in that space as well where you're taking those learnings from a different industry and bringing it across into an industry that may not have looked at it that way or thought about something that way. So, yeah, it's a win-win across generally the board. people in one place all think a similar way. Yeah. get the one that blows everyone out of the water and then takes over because they've done something a bit different but it, yeah. mostly it is probably because of that reason they're all following the same influences in their industry and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> learning the same things along the way so. so just quickly now we've mentioned that your book made somewhat a little bit redundant because of chat gpt but let's reflect on that what are some what are three things out of that book that you could tell people to think about when they're looking at ai that you would say all right here's a starting point what do i do as a business yeah I think, um, like, like I sort of touched on before, I think the first step is just really diving into ChatGPT. Just you know, sitting there for an hour or so having a conversation with ChatGPT and you can ask it, what should I do in AI with my industry and my space and what are some options here and there and really um, leveraging that. And then I think the next sort of phase is starting to curate some of that knowledge that you're bringing in for the new stuff that's coming out and um you know like we touched on things are coming out so quickly like when i was away for the last sort of four weeks or so i came back i hadn't looked at ai at all for for four weeks it was kind of nice but um we got back and there was just so much to change i'm like shit okay now i've got to relearn everything that's new and what's come out and all of that sort of stuff so yeah, you know, I just locked locked away a few hours and went right. I'm just researching today, finding out what's what's changed, what's new. A mm-hmm. um, couple of Google searches and looking at different blogs and those kind of things to see what's what's happening in the space. And then merging industry knowledge and uh, and those learnings from AI on on top of each other. So I think that's where there's a lot of untapped potential at the moment is there's a lot of niche industry experts in a space that shy away from anything new tech wise Mm -hmm. because oh shit that's scary i don't want to touch it Mm -hmm. um 
if you can if you're an industry expert or an industry leader in your space and you can add ai on top of that and become i was talking to a guy for an example so um he's is a, a physio expert you know always been in sports medicine and physio he was asking me how can utilize AI to help and do some stuff and he had some thoughts and ideas. I said, I said to him, mate, just dive in deep, become the sports physio AI expert. Like, still keep your niche, keep your space. You don't have to know everything there is about AI. There's way too much for any anyone to understand. Uh, across the board, there's so many different things. But if you can really leverage your industry knowledge and your industry skills, um, and put that AI filter over the top and become, yeah, really known for that. That's, I think, where there's a big benefit. Yeah, I think that's good advice for any business, really. Yeah, stay in your, stay in your lane. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stay in your Le- lane. Leverage your skills right? that yeah. you already got yeah. and just, mm-hmm. yeah. Agree. Just upskill on in one it. area or get some people to assist in upskilling that space. But I 100% agree there's a massive opportunity in the world of that consulting information how do we do that better how do we take that expert and maybe scale them out i think that's where the opportunity is today Um, yeah now there's no right or wrong answer to doing that but there are ways you can start testing and piloting and seeing what works and what doesn't there is no we're in the world of everyone's innovating or testing that's what we're in right now we don't know what's going to stick either um and what the, the perfect scenario is just testing with what's there taking advantage of the technology, um, going beyond ChatGPT. Yes, you can use ChatGPT, but you can look at integrating with OpenAI, which is effectively how you can actually access ChatGPT from other solutions and technology um, and the underlying technology of it. But there's yeah. so many different ways you can actually engage with it, but just test. I test. think um, another great sort of tool to start with is like your Zapier or Zapier, mm. however you want to pronounce it, depending on where you are. But that and uh, Make, which used to be in, in Tecumat. the Those two tools, you know, they integrate with pretty much everything that you're already using anyway mm-hmm. and have the integration with OpenAI. So yeah. you can do it all, no code, drag and drop, and there's so it many tutorials on YouTube and stuff yeah. like that yeah. to be able okay. to do things and just think differently, yeah. connect things yeah. up, and yeah. yeah. As long as you can connect the dots, you haven't got a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> We, Anthony uses the N8N down there. I haven't even heard of that one. Which one's that? Open source one, but that's the only reason we use it. Zapier <laughs> so does get a bit expensive if you have a lot of things running. Yeah. But uh, the make is a little bit, I think it's cheaper than Zapier, but it has exactly the same functionality. Yeah, I think, you know, what, $60 odd a month or something, you can do a lot for, for that sort of thing. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. If, cancel your Netflix subscription for a couple of months and build up. <laughs> Give a hip <laughs> girl this and see what I can do for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Kevin, thanks for joining us on the Ready Podcast. Been exciting, insightful around the world of AI and what you're up to. I think when you're further along with CETA, come back, talk to us. Love to hear about what some of the outcomes are and how that's yeah, tracking, absolutely. especially over the next six months, and dig more into that experience because I'm sure where you are now is not where you're going to be in 12 months. All <laughs> uh, <laughs> the solution might evolve quite quickly, uh, yeah. which which is you need to be open to when you're in in this space. So, yeah, when you're available, let's keep the conversation flowing. But yeah, really nice to meet and thanks for coming on the podcast. No worries, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Oh, Cheers, thanks mate. for having me. Thanks. Thank you.